Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Offset, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. Fun show today, planned. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing good. This is, um, yeah, it, this, was, this was a show that I thought we were going to be kind of doing throughout the season, but the Seahawks made the season interesting enough that we have put it off. And uh, here we are with uh, three weeks left, kind of starting to dive into off-season strategies and that kind of stuff. Uh, the Seahawks kept the season interesting much longer than you and I expected, so uh, that's not a bad thing. And it could still get interesting. I mean, I'm not going to completely write them off. Pete Carroll seems to think they're going to rebound out of this four-out-of-five game slump, and there's a chance to do that. I don't know if that necessarily comes with Kansas City, and I know after that, you know, if we lose it to Kansas City, People are really going to assume that it's over, but the last two remaining games are winnable games at home mm-hmm. that could slide Seattle back into the playoff race if other teams uh, provide an assist. Um, but back to your original point, um, it seemed like we started the season with a certain level of expectation. Uh, it, it seemed to be proven correct over the first three or four games, but not in the way that we thought. The offense kind of emerged. The defense never really did. And then all of a sudden we won four games in the middle, uh, which gave us some hope. That loss uh, to Tampa Bay in Munich, Germany, uh, began a slide that hasn't yet ended, uh, losing four out of the last five games to take uh, Seattle out of first place in the NFC West, all the way out of the playoffs. Currently the eighth seed now, but there's a gap uh, kind of in between us mm-hmm. in the seventh seed and who knows what's going to happen so my question to you is where are we at as a as a franchise as far as this roster is concerned and today i thought what we do is we take a look at the overall draft strategy next year and free agency and where the roster is how far do we have to go in order to get competitive or at least in the same ballpark as the 49ers, um, which which are clearly the uh, kind of the pinnacle of the of the NFC West right now, and, and one of the better teams in the NFC overall. Well, I think that this roster is um, it's interesting in that it's got some some really nice players, ones that um, I think any team would want, and then it's got some gaping holes at other positions, which just goes to show you that this roster is incomplete. It's, this is an incomplete process because there are, there are spots on this roster where it's not like, Oh, it would be nice to upgrade this position. It's yeah. We really don't have anyone and um, a massive improvement will happen just by getting someone. You don't have to get a star. You know what I mean? And, um, and that is, it's interesting because it lo- it feels that at times it feels like, oh, my God, this roster is full of holes. But then you realize that, that um, you know, if you get yourself a good center, like a, a top flight center, um, suddenly your offense is 
really solid. And that's about all you need. A right guard would help too. Um, but really the center is like the main thing that, that you're missing. Um, that's what the assumption that Gino comes back. Yeah. Um, and if he doesn't, well, then you're, you're plugging along with a rookie quarterback the first half of the year. And you got to hope you got to, you got to solidify your roster more than just a center. You need, um, you definitely need a right guard and you need a third wide receiver and um, probably another running back. And then you also need a defense. So even <coughs> um, there's, there's different things there. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, the interesting thing I thought about was the scheme change, uh, the coaching change in the offseason, the scheme change, and then going into the season with, with those players. And I think we've come to realize that <clears throat> we are just talent deficit uh, on defense at a number of different uh, spots as well as players playing out of position because they don't necessarily fit best in this scheme. And so mm -hmm. that'll be a, an issue in the off season as well. It would shock me if Pete Carroll made it a move in the off season. I think they've done well enough uh, as a team to move forward with this current scheme and, and the coaching staff. I think they just need to get better players to play within that scheme. That's my read. I could be mm -hmm. completely wrong, but it feels that way to me um, because I do think that if they stay the course, which seems like the prudent thing to do, um, they're probably three or four players away on defense starter wise, and then some, some key depth pieces as well on the offense. I agree with you. I think offensive center and guard are, are there uh, a, a really nice running back. If it's not penny, even if it is penny, are DJ Dallas and, and Travis Hummer the answer? I don't think so. I think you, you want to upgrade that, especially given the fact that Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks want to run the ball effectively. And every year for the last five years, this has happened to us where we, uh, through attrition uh, into December, uh, our, our running game is decimated and we don't have anything there. So it'd be nice to kind of uh, influx a little bit of talent there. And then, um, you know, the perennial search for the third wide receiver as well. Of course, Geno Smith is the primary question mark on the offense, I think, in the offseason. What does the team do there? What's the prudent thing to do? What's the actual thing that they end up doing? Um, could be completely different mm -hmm. if it gets away from them. Um, and that can happen in the NFL with contracts and, and Geno Smith's desires. And who knows? I mean, maybe the Seahawks are unwilling to give him a three-year contract, and that's really what he wants, the play dictates that maybe he deserves that, and maybe he has to go outside of the organization to find that. I don't know. The play um, until the last month dictated he deserved it. The last month he's been turning the ball over a lot more as completion percentages dropped down, the overall effectiveness of the Do offense Do you attribute has all down. of that to Geno's play, or is that part of a larger issue? Well, it's some of it's him. Um, some of it is uh, him pressing because he knows the defense is going to give up a lot of points. And so he's trying to, you know, um, that, but it, again, that's him. And some of it is the interior of the offensive line and the lack of running game um, because of the interior of the offensive line are um, creating more problems for him. But ultimately, like you got to take care of the football. And he even says, Oh, I need to do a better job of taking care of the football. And then he comes out in the next game and and throws a couple picks so um yeah i mean he his play has dropped off he's not so, playing as well as he was early in the year so okay so let's let's move this conversation forward and let me ask you this if you could 
um, on the fly here, rank the positions of need on this team as you kind of see them so we can kind of begin the conversation knowing what we need. Okay. So I'm going to start with quarterback. That could be Gino. Um, it's just a matter of you have to answer that question first. So that would be one. To me, number two would be defensive tackle, um, defensive line. You've got to upgrade um, on the defensive line. They're, it's killing you. Um, three would probably be center. Four would be uh, middle linebacker. And so you're looking at, uh, you know, your, your <clears throat> the, the core of your front seven um, on defense and your, you know, quarterback center um, right in the middle of your offense too. Yeah. And you could add. You know, it, it might be down the list. It could be up at the top, depending on how the draft falls and free agency goes. But you need to solidify that uh, starting cornerback opposite Tariq Woolen. You need to figure out if uh, Quandre Diggs is your guy at free safety. Jamal Adams is coming back at strong safety. Maybe those two positions get addressed in the offseason as well. I think there's just more in general. Um, you, you take a look at like a Daryl Taylor, for example. There's another outside uh, linebacker rush Ed's guy that you potentially need to to take a look at upgrade. So yeah. it's 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 bigger than it seems, but some of these things are just depth and, and rotation pieces as well. Um, okay, so with that said, why don't we take a look at the, the the cap space first, and we'll have a little free agency conversation. Um, over the cap is what I used. Uh, it shows that next year's cap is. Um, uh, space available is 53,782,000. That puts it at about an effective cap rate at about 36, 37 million dollars, um, which means that's what we have to be able to sign free agents, including Geno Smith. Um, the big thing with that now that ranks fifth in the NFL, and it seems like it's a really big number, and it's 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 it is a good sized number, but we have only, only 31, yeah, 30, 31 30, players, 31, 33 players signed currently into next year. So we, we need to have a bunch of bodies come in and we have to sign all those guys. So uh, by my estimation, we can generate an additional $40 million in cap space or roughly 60 million in functional cap space overall to sign Geno Smith plus some key free agents. If we do some potential cap cuts and or extensions, and some of those, or at least one of those, may be a post-June 1st designation mm -hmm. to be able to give Seattle the most flexibility. I, I'm i not going to go through all the numbers specifically, but the players we're talking about, Jamal Adams, Gabe Jackson, Quandre Diggs, Shelby Harris, um, Al Woods, they all have a significant amount of salary, uh, non-guaranteed salary that Seattle could create cap space now. Uh, cutting those players would create a bunch of dead money as well, but the total savings would would offset that. So there mm -hmm. is some ability there. And then Nuchetta Nuwasu has a cap number of twelve point seven six million next year. He's probably a player that Seattle would like to retain long term. Yep. He's under a two year contract, so he's one year remaining, and um, that's an option to restructure. So. Yeah. Out of that, I think, you know, we have a ton of flexibility is, is the larger point here to do almost whatever we want to do in free agency before we get to the draft. Yeah, I mean, um, extending Nuwasu could could lower that cap number down. It, it pushes that in, in the future years, but if you're going to have him on the roster anyway, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, 
Same could be true for Shelby Harris uh, yeah. and Quandre Diggs. Um, and then, of course, there there is the Jamal Adams uh, question, which he's got a cap number of $18 million next year. They've gotten pretty much nothing from him and um, since the trade. The, it, at some point, it's just a sunk cost, and you've got to move on. It, um, if they if they go with the post-June 1st designation with him, they save $11 million. Can you replace what he's given you for $11 million? The answer is absolutely, because he's given you very little. Yeah. Um, and so, Especially I, I think, if it's on a rookie deal. Yeah. And so I'm looking at, at, at Adams and thinking he's probably played his last down as a Seahawk just for that reason. Um, and then the other thing is we, people go, well, you don't, you may need that cap space before June 1st. Well, one, you don't, um, you can cut someone with a post June 1st designation um, in March. Prior to, prior to June 1st. Yes. Yeah. And, and you don't now granted you don't get the cap skate cap spaces usable until June, but during the off season, only the top 51 players on your roster count against the cap. And so, and you don't have to worry about functional cap space. Uh, you need to uh, get yourself, you know, in a situation where you can get yourself down um, under the cap, under what you need, you know, where to pay all your rookies and free, uh, you know, injuries and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that as you go. You don't have to have it at all times. And so it's something that they could definitely um, do with with Adams, and then you know worry about uh, the fact that they need that functional cap space later, but they'll get it before they need it. So it would be possible. Yeah. So I think that you know you can you can make an assumption here that they the team tries to resign Gino, and it's going to be around thirty million. It could be twenty, but let's just say it's thirty for this discussion. Uh, because that's kind of where that um, unexclusive uh, free agent um, uh, tender is for um, what am I trying to say, Keith? Um, franchise, franchise tag. Um, and so, if if things get squirrely and they really want to retain Geno Smith to to provide um, continuity for next season, uh, that's what that's the number they'd have to spend. It's about thirty-one million. So that leaves us with about you know, 25 or $30 million to go out and get outside free agents, which you can, um, you know, a couple of those guys are going to be expensive. Maybe a starting center, maybe it's an interior defensive tackle. Both those are pretty decent positions to look at in free agency. A, because a center to have a competent center that's, um, that, that is proven is, is a good thing to go look at in free agency. And then a defensive tackle is less expensive than, an edge rusher or a really good outside linebacker or wide receiver, et cetera. Um, so you can get some good value there. Yeah. And then if you go in and you start to look at the, uh, you know, at the market as far as like who is available and uh, at, especially at center there, I mean, there's some options. There's some guys that are there. Um, Connor McGovern uh, with the jets is one that uh, I think people will, will look at and, and like uh, Bradbury from the Vikings is yeah. a guy that's going to be available. Um, Kessenberry from the Texans maybe um, is someone that you'd look at. So there, there are some options. You're not just like bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. Uh, interior defensive line, though, is, uh, it, it's harder because there's some nice names. But at this point in their career, are they guys that you really want to spend money on? Like J.J. Yeah. Watt, Fletcher Cox, uh, Hargrave, um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, at this point in their career, you 
I don't know. I'd have a hard. It's hard because Javon Hargrave is 30, 31 years old next season, mm-hmm. but he's just such a great player still. Um, so that one's right on the fence for me because diminishing returns start at defensive tackle when you get over that age. Some guys last forever though. Yep. Um, we should we should see. As far as stopping the run, Ashawn Robinson's out there. Dalvin Tomlinson, both those guys are you know twenty eight, twenty nine years old. Something like that, I would be. Um, happy with. I think one of the biggest things, one of the pillars of, of Pete Carroll's defense is stopping the run. And I think that needs to be addressed prior to the the draft. And the reason that I say that is the draft is a little squirrely when it comes to interior defensive tackles, nose tackles. Um, I, there's, there's a couple in the draft, but if you miss them because somebody else drafts them, there's not a lot there you can really depend on to just come in and be an immediate impact player for you. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's tough. Now, guys like Jalen Carter are out there, but he's more of a three-tech guy. He's more of an interior disruptor. He's going to be able to stop the run for you, but he's not that anchor. Um, and and beyond, you know, just a couple of players in the early rounds, there's, there's just not a lot that you can count on again to come in and immediately play. So having that solved, I think, in free agency is, is probable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know if you're going to address the edge, you've got a few players out there. Obviously, um, Marcus Davenport, Zach Allen, et cetera, um, and inside linebacker is is interesting to me. Um, Rashawn Evans, Tremaine Edmonds, Levante David, <clears throat> those guys could be upgrades over Cody Barton. But yeah, it seems Levante like David's going to yeah Levante David is. I mean, he was drafted the same year as. Um, um Wagner and sorry my brain just like skipped there for a second um but yeah so he was drafted the same year as Wagner he's older if they were going to pay David they should have just paid Wagner um mm. so you know there, there's there's things like that 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 you look at there are some guys though um that you look at um Anthony Walker Jr. from the Browns is a guy that will uh garner some uh attention and um yeah yeah, Justin so. Houston. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some players. There's some there's some players out there. It's a question of, you know, who does Seattle prioritize um, yep. on on bringing in, and and that'll be really interesting to me. Um, Nicholas Morrow of the Bears is an interesting one to me. Just, yeah, and and throughout this offseason, we'll get into depth. I mean, yep. this is just kind of an initial conversation around it. Um, how about some 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 draft talk some 2023 okay. draft talk because that's the fun stuff everyone likes to talk about that and so do we um our current draft pick moved down unfortunately uh in the last uh, 24 hours uh we're now third overall in the draft denver ended up winning against the cardinals um the cardinals can't the cardinals can't do anything right this year uh they're having yeah. a hard time as a franchise i mean i think they're, they're going to move on from their general manager time uh, this offseason, possibly their head coach. It, it's a mess. It really is a mess there. Um, okay, so we've got currently the third pick overall and the 15th pick uh, in the first round. Sec- two second round picks, 35th overall, 49th overall. So we have a lot of ammunition up the top of the draft. Um, so it'll be fun. Uh, let's talk draft strategy a little bit. So we know we've got all these picks, but now what do we do? What do we do with them to maximize our value and opportunity? Um, do we stay at the top and draft one of these premier guys that everyone talks about and falls in love with? 
or do we say, you know, it's just as likely that some of those guys uh, end up being draft busts, and if we drop down or accumulate a few more picks, that's just more numbers in the lottery and um, gives us more opportunity to solve more problems. What, what do you think, Keith? Well, I think, I mean, what they do, what they want to do, what the whole strategy is, everything depends at quarterback. What do you want to do? If you're going to commit to Gino for three years, maybe you – uh, are okay with moving down and and that but if you aren't if you're not ready to to say Gina's the guy uh then you got to stay at 2 or 3 wherever you end up with um you know for from Den- Denver's pick so that way you can get one of these elite quarterbacks uh it's you're you're not going to be at the top of the draft again this is your one time to be at the top of the draft where you can get a quarterback um so you better go get one when you can. And I think that uh, ultimately that's probably the play, even though everyone's going to be like, oh, Jalen Carter, get him for the middle. Um, you know, having a, a Will Levis or a when Bryce you've Young. Got, when you've got five or six holes on your defense, Jalen Carter's a great piece, but he's one player. Yeah, and so you can get yourself a quarterback. And then with that second pick, the 16th pick, maybe you move it down from that one, from 16 to like 21. And you pick up an extra third and and, and do something like that um, in order to fill in more holes. Uh, but I think at the top of the draft, you kind of have to stay there and, um, and get created, that quarterback. Yeah, I've created a scenario where, um, yeah, I mean, I let me speak to this Geno Smith thing. The, the team and, and Geno's camps have both come out and said, we'd like to get a deal done. I assume that that's true. And I assume that they will. Yeah. Um, and if they do... That really does afford us an opportunity to to move around a little bit, and I mm-hmm. I would actually expect it. So if Gino signed prior to the draft, which is going to happen, um, I would expect Seattle to move around a little bit because there's just so much value there to do it, especially with the with the high overall pick. Say it's two or three, uh, there's going to be some teams that want to go get their quarterback. Yes, uh, there's. Uh, I can't remember who was it. Um, oh, I, can't, I lost it. Somebody just came out with an article this morning. Um, Barnwell, I believe, came out with a with a list of 19 teams that could potentially want to start a new quarterback under center in, in 2023. Now, it doesn't mean all of them will. Some of them will just change teams and, and, and so forth. Um, but there's there's going to be at least four or five teams that would love to be able to select one of these premier quarterbacks out of this draft in the first round that aren't able to currently because they're not high enough in the draft. Those are your trade partners, potentially. I think that there's a couple that where Seattle could only have to drop back two or three spots and, and pick up some draft opportunities here. For example, if we traded to the Detroit Lions, uh, Detroit's winning now, they're seven and seven, uh, better than advertised, which you and I talked about at the beginning of the year. I'm kind of actually happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still might want to go up and grab a quarterback because they are still drafting early right now. Um, they're drafting fifth overall because of that uh, um, Los Angeles Rams trade. And so if, if we traded from three currently to five, uh, the Lions could potentially give us their 18th pick in the first round as well. That equals out in the trade value charts pretty, pretty well. And if we bump another pick to them, so for example, we trade out of three 
give them uh, 80th pick overall in the third round. Lions give us five and 18. That might be something that they would look at. A small trade back would enable us to still get maybe one of the top defensive linemen. Um, and Detroit gets their quarterback. Everyone's happy. We pick up some value, some good value there. Yep. Or you could go to like Indy. Uh, Seattle trades, you know, one three to one six. Indy sends us 237, 384, um, something like that. And we have two additional high picks in, in the top 100. That's also something that would be attractive to Seattle, not dropping back a whole bunch, but still maybe have the opportunity to draft a Jalen Carter or a Anderson or, or something like that. Yeah. So you look at the teams that don't have a quarterback that are in that range. Um, they're in the top 10, but below Seattle. And you've got um, Indy at six, Atlanta at seven, Carolina at eight. Um, and, and there's your list, right? Uh, and so cause Green Bay, even if they trade, um, you know, Rogers this off season, they're probably going to roll with love just to get them through a cap hell year and then figure out what they're going to do there. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's just, there's not a lot of, uh, of options. And like you said, Detroit, which is at five um, and 18. Uh, so there's another one. But with them, I mean, Goff has really played really well over the last few weeks. Like he's started to um, make people think, hey, maybe he's not the awful quarterback he was in L.A. And I don't know if if the coaches and GM there agree with that assessment, but he is starting to play. So there's a question mark there on whether they would even want to move up uh, and try and, and start over at quarterback. It's not every day. If they're an improving roster and they're dropping, you know, they're in the fifth spot now, potentially even lower. Um, like we've talked about with Seattle, sometimes you just got to take the opportunity to, mm -hmm. to get your guy. If they, if they've evaluated a quarterback and, and he's their guy, I think they would try to upgrade that position. Because we know who Goff is. I mean, he's he is who he is. Now you surround him with a decent roster. He can um, game manage you to a you know to an NFC Championship game. There's no doubt. But there is a cap to his ability if you're if you want to run a full offense. And and I think that they would. Okay, so what's your likely scenario? What what is a one scenario where you can see it play out and you would you would kind of favor it? Um I think that if they were to move down off that three spot to six or seven, um, they would be able to do that, um, pick up a bunch of extra picks, and maybe still get Will Levis um as a mm -hmm. you know, the quarterback for the of the future. Now if you're moving down, it's because someone else is moving up to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. You have to be confident that Will Levis is uh, the guy um, and that he's going to be there. But, you know, you look at, at the way the, this, the draft is and you look at, okay, six, if you want to move down uh, from three to six, you're, um, you know, Houston's going to take one of the quarterbacks. You're got to be confident that, um, that Arizona's not and that the Ram or that, and that Detroit's not um, so that you can get that spot at six. So um, that, I mean, it, there's a lot of risk there and I think you probably don't make that move until uh, draft day just because of the risk. You don't want to move down to six and then have Carolina 
jump over you and trade with Detroit up to five. And then that's a great, that's a great point. That is a great point. Not so, too often you see a, a team trade, you know, a week or two or three ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. But yeah, so you you have to you have to look at that. People will be like, oh, well, go ahead and make that move. You know, let everyone plan. But then you're looking at okay, if you're sitting at six, um, and Arizona's at four, and they're like, okay, we may whether we're sold on Kyler Murray or not, we're we can't get rid of him. He costs you know it's too much against the cap, so we've got to roll with him for at least another year. Carolina jumps from eight to four in front of you and gets the quarterback you were looking at. You, so you, you have to be careful with that. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They offer same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, and that's why I think you just can't marry into a certain player or position at, at this spot. You've got to almost take best player available, which, which it gets interesting. You know, mm-hmm. because if you do drop back to, to six, you're you're basically wanting a player to fall. You know, somebody like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, or if they're really happy with a guy like Miles Murphy, which I'm I'm not, but some people are, um, then you kind of roll the dice there. And you and also if you're in love with Bryce Young, for example, or Stroud or Levis, you know, there's six or seven players that are I think Seattle would would like, but um you really just kind of hold your breath because you just never you just never know um i've created a situation where um in the i traded with indiana i picked up the the sixth pick the 37th pick and the 84th pick mm-hmm. um for that move and will anderson was still sitting there at six now i was hoping that will anderson or jalen carter or miles murphy was was sitting there and just happened to be anderson so I jumped so I did, all over that. And, and I did the same there. thing in in a in a mock where I wanted to see what we could get and then what would be available. And Will Levis was sitting there at six. Yeah. Um, and actually, when I did this this particular mock, uh, it was trading from trading down to seven because that's where Andy was at the time. But yeah. Um, but I yeah, did, I did a mock where Will Levis was sitting there at fifteen. Surprisingly. Yeah. Kind of so crazy. being able to being able to to trade down and still get you know your top quarterback. So. Um, that mm-hmm. turned out to be interesting because that wasn't what I had planned when I made that trade is I was hoping that one of the defensive players would fall thinking that the quarterbacks would all go yeah. and, and leaves make it. So some of the defensive players were available there, but Will Levis was, so I went ahead and took him, but they could still get a guy like Brian, uh, Bracey from Clemson at 16. So yeah. it wasn't a, a complete loss as far as, you know, upgrading the defensive line. So what is your strategy overall on, uh, what what remains? How about Seattle's native pick? It currently at fifteen. 
Yeah, so it's, that's harder because there's a lot of different types of players there. There are the defensive line guys are mostly gone at that point, at least yeah, value so wise. That's the thing is, so defensive line becomes a, a harder spot. So, um, and that's where the Seahawks need the help the most. I mean, just straight up, that's where they need the help the most. Um, and so, Jalen Carter uh, is going to be gone. Um, you know, like I said, Brian Breesey was a guy that um, fell and was available there. Uh, those are your options, I believe, uh, at the top of the draft. Other than yes. that, you're looking at a guy like um, Gervin Dexter from Florida. But I, yeah. I'm thinking you're not taking him until I picked him early with around my 30, two. 37th pick. Yeah, actually. early around, early around two. Uh, so the the quality on the the interior DL drops off real quickly. And so you're really looking at those two guys. And so um, if that's what you've identified as your biggest need, which I think really is, and unless they can solve it in free agency, they're going to need one of those two guys. Um, it makes yeah. me think that, you know, you either take Jalen Carter where you can, or you drop down a little bit um, and get Brian Breesey. I, yeah. I don't yeah. think you drop, I don't think you drop down from 15 to get him. I think you have to drop down from three to like eight. And, and to take him just because you're not going to risk that he's going to be there when he's the second best defensive lineman in the draft. And this is where free agency comes, comes in because you're going to want to solve these things before you get to the draft. So you're not reaching because you can, you can see Seattle potentially reach in these spots. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if they miss out on Anderson or, and um, Carter, et cetera, at the top, but still need to solve that at 15, you could, you could end up reaching for a Dexter or a Mozzie Smith, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, that. Or you, you pick a player that you don't necessarily need to draft so high, like a Joey Porter jr. Cornerback. Now I would hate that pick, but I don't see them drafting for, but if it's the best player available on their board, it's something that might Man, happen. Can you imagine putting Joey Porter jr. Opposite, um, Tariq Wollen. I can, and I like it. <laughs> and it's in my mock. So I drafted Will Anderson at six and Joey Porter at 15, because at 15, if you take a look at the options, you've got some tackles available. Uh, Bijan Robinson, the running back is there. You've got a tight end and Michael Mayer. Um, Christian Gonzalez, the other corner from Oregon, is sitting there. But if Joey Porter's there, I've taken Joey Porter. Um, and et cetera, right? So, so mm-hmm. you've gotten to a situation where now the best player available on the board could be Joey Porter, and I wouldn't hate it if they if they made that pick. Otherwise, they'd have to drop back. Now, if you drop back from there, um, then it makes it easier to 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 pick guys like um, Jared Verse or Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame, which I think is a great scheme fit for Seattle, by the way, um, or or Trenton Simpson. At, linebacker you could you know, justify picking those guys in the late 20s but not yep. 15 so that's 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 interesting one of the interesting things about that um that 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 range is there's a lot of offensive tackles um that are going to yep. go at this point um Skaronsky yep. out of um northwestern you've got guys like paris johnson you've got um Roderick jones, Roderick jones. Right, so yeah. there, there's a there's a bunch of 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 offensive tackles. The Seahawks don't need an offensive tackle. They drafted two last year, and both right. of them hit. Right, they don't need so, one up up early. Correct. So that that gives you a a chance to sit and wait. Um, and 
if you are it's what i mean so so if if there's going to be a run on offensive tackles in that range you drop down below it you still get the guy that you want and you get an extra pick so uh that's a, a situation that could work really well for them but man the idea of joy porter jr opposite <laughs> tree Bullen, i'm right yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting having two picks now uh, in the in the top 15 or 20 um because you're gonna have some opportunities here um to either move back and, and gain some value or pick some players there that are really going to be able to help your team mm-hmm. even if it's what you don't think you needed for example there's a couple of wide receivers that are up in the draft early um that okay well we've got tyler lockett and dk Metcalf. we don't need another wide receiver well there's a there's a potential situation where a wide receiver could definitely be the best player available on the board yeah and we do need a third wide receiver and tyler lockett's not getting any younger um you know so you could potentially draft a guy to to have as your third wide receiver quote unquote that could eventually be you know one of your primary weapons um because you're only up here like this you know once a decade if Mm -hmm. that um with this opportunity and so it's 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 fascinating to me because the options are going to be endless i mean i can just see us having multiple uh podcasts around just what our options are in the first round because it's yeah. it's kind of crazy in the in the second round we've got currently five picks in the top 50 keith yep. which is which is just it's it's like a, it's like opening christmas presents <laughs> um, the last the last time the Seahawks had two picks this high, they came away with Earl Thomas and uh, Russell Lacoon. Yeah. Hall of Famer at safety and a... Um, and, be, and and a decade before that, they had uh, Al- Alexander running back yep. and the offensive guard, uh, Steve Hutchinson. Which turned out to be one of the best in history, even if he did poison pill uh right. contract yeah. seattle right. he's right. still an instant hall of famer quality so you you don't get these opportunities you're talking about wide receiver so i, I flipped over and started looking at that because that to me is one of those things where i'm like i at this point in the draft i haven't even considered it that much although i did mock quentin johnston out of tcu the oh, 6-4 speedster um <laughs> to seattle um when yeah. we had a show a couple weeks ago but then yeah. you look at maybe jordan addison mm-hmm. um out of usc that god that guy is special um, or even a guy like Jay, um, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. If you drop mm-hmm. down again and you're sitting there in the lower parts of the of the first round, um, you know you've got some really nice talent at wide receiver that you could end up with uh, at the top of this draft. That's not a need. That doesn't fill a hole. That doesn't right. do anything. But man, you you just put now you're putting Lockett, Metcalf, and you know um, a guy like Johnston out on uh out running in patterns on every play and you are making opposing teams sweat and you know it's been a while it's been a while since we've had three weapons plus you know ken walker um that would just be crazy i mean talk about fun now at you know in the draft everyone would be going crazy oh we need defensive linemen we need this we need that well yeah we need like seven things filled and how do you prioritize which one goes first, second, third, and fourth? I mean, if a guy is premier, just like last year, everyone kind of complained about Ken Walker being selected in the in the second round. It's like, yeah, but it makes our team better. It was um, a it, it was a massive need 
and a special player. And and when you have when you combine those two, um, you're gonna get picks that don't make a lot of sense but make your team better. Um, and that's that's yeah, that's what that um pick was. It wasn't it wasn't a value pick, but it was a massive need and a special player. So you go ahead and do it. And they've seen, you know, the rewards for it. So one area that I'm interested in in the draft, but really haven't studied yet, and you you might not have either, is offensive guard slash center. Um, are there any at the top or any anything close to into the top 50 that we would be interested in? Or are, are we assuming that those are going to be addressed later? Well, you've got like Osiris Torrance, who's going to be available probably at you know, 33 or 34, wherever that pick uh, lands um, for Seattle, that I think would be a great fit. Um, and then the next one is going to be John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. He's mm. going to be available. At he's the, a center. He's a center, true center, um, and a very good one. And he's, but he's going to be, he's going to be dropping down somewhere in the 40s um, is where he'll probably go. Um and so, and then I would also look at a guy like Jarrett Patterson out of Notre Dame, who uh, is probably going to be around early round three. And so, those are kind of the guys. Um, you're well. There's going to be also uh, Voorhees, Andrew Voorhees out of USC that people will talk about. Um, to me, I, I I don't see him as a great fit in Seattle, but I also haven't done a tremendous amount of tape study on USC yet this year. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, there's not interior offensive line is one of those positions where there's not a lot at the top. There never is. You might get one player that people agree on, like, wow, that's a you know one that, that you have to take a pick on. But usually, you're looking at second, third round picks for the best ones. What current player that you've kind of poked around at and know about uh, that you would just be completely ticked off if Seattle picked them at a certain spot in the draft? Um, you know what this answer is going to be, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. It's Bajon Robinson, the running back out of Texas, because that's a, that's a mid first round grade. Um, and if you, you've already got Walker on the roster, you've got your starter, um, to go and use a first round pick on a backup running back, I think would be. So here's shameful. where, here's shameful. where, here's where it gets interesting is um while you might have them as a mid first round grade there's a lot of people that have them at the very top um there's no running back that should ever be at the top well as positional needs go correct but talent overall talent big board just big board talent he's near the top he's a special player he's a special player i mean if you go watch him he's just a special player but it, the thing that makes it interesting is if Seattle drops back and picks up additional picks, then they might think that they could afford a luxury pick in a player like that. It's happened before. It's happened before with John Schneider. So I am if they move curious. Back, I mean, we've seen them pick Christian Michael. We've seen them pick Penny. And we've seen them now pick Walker in the top those you know, the basically two, round. two rounds of this mm -hmm. of, of the NFL draft. And this is a player in, um, you know, in Robinson that is better than any of those players. In my opinion. 
Oh, absolutely better than those players. Um, I mean, that, the scenario that you had earlier where you, the Seahawks drop back and they get the 18th pick, so they end up with three first-round picks, um, that's the situation where a guy like Rajon Robinson isn't one that I'm going to absolutely hate um, because you've already got two other picks, so you can address the two positions that you need to, to address in the first round, and then you got this extra one that you just go ahead and grab you know, a, a good player with. Um, but if given all the holes on this defense, Mm-hmm. If and and the fact that Ken Walker is on the roster, if you go but, and waste a first round pick but, on a running back, I, yes. I, yeah, I'm gonna flip the table. <laughs> but but you know, based on the the idea, the early going uh, and the early looks we've had in this draft, you can see the different levels and where players are are likely to go at least right now. And it, there's there's gonna be a run at the premier defensive line players early in this draft, which are going to push down some of these positional players. Um, you know, the, these, these talent guys. Um, and if those players that we really wanted, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, et cetera, are gone, we may end up having to adjust on the fly and, and players like Bijan Robinson come up into play in those sorts of scenarios. In that situation, I'd rather have them draft Jordan Addison, wide receiver. I think you're going to get more. You're going to get more. You're going to get more value and more production, more usage out of a wide receiver in today's NFL. Run Ezekiel Elliott. We haven't been able to run the ball for four weeks, Keith, and it's been to the detriment of our franchise. And it has nothing to do with the running backs and everything to do with the interior of the offensive line. So you're you're telling me our fourth, fifth running back on the roster who's been on the practice squad all year is going to be just as good as Robinson? No, I'm saying that you're going into the season with uh, probably um, Penny and Walker again, and you can get enough production out of them. The the drop off from Robinson to Penny, let's say, in terms of overall production, when you look at um, and you project all the things. Yeah, he's a better talent, but the the drop off isn't that much in terms. Well, the drop off is tremendous when you're only counting on Penny to be available for eight to ten games. Well, not if you're not starting him and running him every uh, play like they were doing at the beginning of the year. Then um, I I agree. No, I'm I I obviously lean towards your look. Look at so I look at at um, Ezekiel Elliott was considered perhaps the best running back prospect in a generation. And he has mattered very little to Dallas in terms of their overall win and losses over the years. And he's already kind of been replaced as the starter on their on their team. I mean, he, he gets the start, but then he gets significantly less touches. Um, you, running backs don't have a shelf life. And the drop-off in production from the really good ones to the ones that are good, right? And I'm not talking about the you know, all the way down to Travis Homer. I'm talking about the drop-off from a guy like Robinson to a guy that you take in the second or third round. Um, the drop-off in overall production is so little that you can justify dropping back that far and letting someone else, um, you know, take Robinson. It really just doesn't affect your franchise that much because running backs... You go look at San Francisco is a great example. They have had this carousel of running backs over the last few years. 
um, guys that have been scrap heap guys from other teams. Um, oh, and definitely. I agree with you here. It hasn't it, slowed it them down. Up, it starts up front. That's why. It starts up front. They've got a great offensive line. Um, and so I, I honestly, Robinson would upset me simply because I, there's other things you can, you can pick. Especially most... if it was in, in lieu of picking Cyrus Torrance or, um, you know, a, 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 an edge rusher that was premier or, you know, an interior, um, pass rusher like Jalen Carter. I mean, those are obviously guys at the top, but if you're going to drop back or and then Brian, you're going to pick yeah. John Robinson. A guy like Brian, with your drop back, that would really tick you off. Yeah, a guy like Brian Brees or Jalen Carter, if those guys are available and you go, nah, we're going to skip, we're going to move back and then take, car- and, and take, um, yeah, take a running back. Like that's, that's such a waste. Why, why, why would you do that? Because you have the elite player at a position that actually really matters in the NFL and you move back to take a running back when you've already got one. It just, that makes no sense to me. Fine. Fine. Interesting. Yeah, I, I expect them to sign um, Geno Smith. And I expect them to run Geno Smith out as the starter in 2023. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't hardly imagine a, a different scenario right now. But things get squirrely. It, you know, changes could happen. It, it'll be interesting. But I, I don't know that we'd find the answer in the draft. I think they would address that in free agency, bring in some sort of bridge again to allow an, a player to develop a little bit, at least initially, unless they yeah. get beat out, you know, in, in training camp, like Russell Wilson won the job originally. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did. They signed a bridge quarterback, drafted Russell Wilson, and then Wilson won the job early. They didn't expect him to take it, take it over that quickly, but he did. And you know, that was great. Um, but yeah, if they if they decide if they sign Gino to like a three three year deal to be a bridge, they don't have to go take a quarterback at the you know the very very top of this draft. You could go look at a guy like Hendon Hooker out of um, Tennessee, or even if you're um, if you really like him, uh, Tanner uh, McKee out of Stanford is another guy yeah. that that will <clears throat> get some looks. And um, with that, I mean, that, that, those are the kinds of, of players that maybe you take those guys down in the, in, you know, in the, the second or third, fourth round um, and develop them because you've got a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how far would you be willing to drop back in the draft? Um, from which pick? From the first pick. From, let's just say it's third overall right now. How far would you be willing to drop back knowing that if you drop back any further than three or four spots, you're going to lose out on all the premier um, defending, uh, interior defending players? If I'm sitting there at three and if Jalen Carter is available, I don't move back. Um, if he's not, if he's already gone, I probably wouldn't move back beyond six. Um and and you're going to get a guy like um, Will Anderson um, to drop. And I, I, you're there at the top of the draft. If you didn't have 15 sit, sitting there, also, then I'm like, yeah, go ahead and move back, move back to five, then move back to eight, then move back to eleven, and get a whole pile of picks. But yeah. you've already got 15. You can now do talk to me in there. Go get talk to, to me, player. and we'll finish up with this. Talk. Let's have a little discussion 
around the idea of accumulating picks in this draft versus trying to get some future first round draft picks or future picks as well as part of that drop back package. Okay. So the thing is that when you have the CX have five picks currently in, you know, what is at the top uh, 75 picks? Um, that's, that's a lot of talent and a lot of guys that if you're picking in that range, you're expecting a starter. Now they already had six guys from this draft. You get five more from next year um, or, you know, from, the, from this coming draft. If you drop down a couple times and you may, you add to that, you make it six guys or seven guys. Um, now what you've done is you've compressed a lot of your talent into two off seasons a couple of years from now where all of those guys contracts are coming up and uh, you're better off spreading them out a little bit and sure move back, get some extra picks, make your picks better, but also push some of the extra push the additional picks into next year. So that way you've got, um, you know, you've got five or six guys from this last draft class whose contracts are all coming up. Then next year, you've got five or six guys. You don't have like nine guys whose contract all come, come up and um, need like re-signed all at once because cap-wise, it's just going to kill you. That combined with where is the roster now? You know, the first question in this show, um, yeah. are we ready this next offseason? Um, we, we could be. I mean, with the right offseason, I mean, you got to hit a home run, but um, but you you add to that, then you keep your roster, you keep your depth going by adding some picks uh, in the 2024 draft, especially if it's a, a first rounder. Say if uh, Detroit doesn't want to give you that 16th pick, but they'll, they'll they'll be willing to give you a 2024 first rounder, or if it's you know Atlanta or or another team. Um, that's that's it's hard it's frustrating as a fan to see that because you're giving away value in this draft and you've invested your mind into players in this draft but next year you'd be really happy if you had three consecutive years of two first round draft picks the eagles had three picks last year and they went ahead and gave one to new orleans you and i thought that was to prep get new Orleans set up for, for another trade to move up in the draft and, and go get a quarterback. And it just didn't materialize. Now the Eagles who are one of the best teams in the entire NFL are sitting with the ninth overall pick because of that move. So even as a team that's got one loss is clearly one of the top teams just out there at all. Um, they're going to have a top 10 pick in this, this draft to reload yeah. the roster even more. I mean, they yeah. are, that's the kind of to, to hand select their know. missing piece because they don't have to draft best player available necessarily, although they could, but if they they're missing that one player, that one spot, that, that Porter, that cornerback, for example, you know, um, they could just go pluck him and that would, that would be it. Yeah. Fun. Cool. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, have a good, great week. Uh, let's come back uh towards the end of the week and preview the uh the next game which is the kansas city chiefs on christmas eve um on saturday uh <laughs> early in the week keith what what kind of chances do you give us um you know i would say very little but uh houston just gave casey 
yeah. a run for its money. And Houston is bad. Their roster is terrible. Um, and this isn't the first time that Kansas City has had to come back and win at the very end of a game against a bad team. So I've also seen them wipe teams out. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying that that um it's I want to say that that Seahawks have no chance, but then I look at at what Houston did this week and I go, you know, there's a possibility there that the Seahawks could um you know, sneak up on them. What would it what how would it change you if they won? Nothing. Wouldn't it get you a little bit more excited about the next two games after that? Like if they take these two games, they're in the playoffs and let's see yeah, what I mean, they can do. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. You know they're not going to go on a run in the playoffs. Defense isn't good enough. Um, I, it would get me excited because that means that um, that the talent, you know, and those the, those depth positions are maybe a little better than we're thinking, or at least that the team's still hungry, even though they're mm-hmm. they've been on the slide. You know, there, there's lots of things to like, and if they can sure get into the playoffs, give those rookies an opportunity to go out and and experience playoff football because uh, it is different. And I, I'd love to see that, but it's not going to change how I view this team, this roster. The roster is still it, it really bad on the defensive side. The, the interior of the offensive line still just isn't good enough. Like those things aren't going to change just because they beat a good team like Kansas City. Yeah, it's just a ma- you're you're masking it basically to to get as far as you can get. All right, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hockey. You know where the show's at. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and share it if you like it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWCHawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.